Hey everybody, it's Operation Tango Romeo, the place where healing happens. If you'd like to support this show, remember, like, comment, subscribe, and share, share like the sugar bear, because sharing is caring. Hello, all you beautiful souls. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. And also, I got to say a huge thank you to everybody that's been share sharing like the sugar bear who likes to share share like the sugar bear sharing episodes left, right, and center. The episode I did yesterday with Tommy Anderson has got a bazillion shares, and thank you so much by telling these stories change can happen. And the story of Tommy Anderson and the 29-year struggle he's had with Veterans Affairs is worth sharing. So thank you so much for doing that. It is appreciated by Tommy and by myself. And it's doing good. You might be helping somebody. And by keeping up the, I was going to say pressure, but I'm not sure if that's the right word. By helping the people who are in charge of Veterans Affairs Canada really understand the human impact, the the impact on people's lives based on how they deal with them, that that makes a difference because they're people, you know, and uh, bad-mouthing them and calling them names doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. Um, Just because you're mad at somebody doesn't mean it's okay to lash out at them. And the people at Veterans Affairs Canada, they're people. And I think the bulk of them really want to do good work. And they really want to help veterans. I I believe that. I believe that's true. So the bureaucracy, though, as a whole, is doing as much harm as good, sometimes more harm than good. And the harm done by the bureaucracy at Veterans Affairs Canada and Medivie Blue Cross can be doing more harm than the injuries themselves. Uh, Tom was talking yesterday about how losing his legs and suffering for three decades from that and PTSD and the loss of his eye, that was pretty tough. But it wasn't as tough as dealing with Veterans Affairs Canada. Try to imagine that for a second, that dealing with Veterans Affairs Canada is worse than losing your legs and your eye and the horrific injury of... PTSD. Wow, that's saying something. And you know what? Tom is not alone. I have uh, had that experience myself, and I've numerous, numerous people that have had that similar experience. But that's not what today is about. Today is about courage and cowardice, something that I've been thinking a lot about lately, and something that I think bears a conversation. Now, in the comments, I, I put that this is not a finger wagging. I'm not calling anybody a coward with this, except for maybe myself. And uh, maybe you'll be calling yourself a coward when you listen to what I've got to say about this. And not in a bad way, not in a finger wagging way, but the truth is that all of us are sometimes courageous and all of us are sometimes cowardly, myself included. Um, it's rare for me that I'll be the coward. Um, that's, it's just not how I'm wired, but it'll happen to all of us. And when I explain kind of where I'm going with this, um, and why I'm deciding to do this particular episode, I think it'll make sense. And of course, as always, I want to have a conversation with you. Now, 
I can't always respond to comments that pop up in the comment uh, column. Sometimes it's just because of the volume of them, so I can't get to all of them. Uh, there was somebody the other day that was a little bit upset that they didn't feel acknowledged in the comments. Well, it's not always possible, but I try. Uh, if I'm not responding to your comments, it's either because I don't understand them, um, or I'm not sure how it fits with the topic, or it, they're so long that I don't have time to read it all so that I can really understand what it is that, that you're asking. I've had that probably that's the number one thing is when there's paragraphs for me to read and I can't do that while I'm in the middle of an interview or uh, in the middle of a monologue like I am today. So please forgive me if I can't acknowledge you in the comments. I will try. If I'm able to, I will. And um, as long as it's relevant, readable, and I can understand your point in, in short order, I will try to acknowledge you. And um or at least say your name if I can. <laughs> and if I can't, please forgive me for that. So courage and cowardice. It, um, every conversation should start with definitions. So what the heck am I talking about? Because your definition of courage and cowardice may be very different than mine. So the definition that I scratched out here today took me about an hour to really parse it all out. But here we are. The definition of courage... Uh, and I didn't get this from Funk and Wagnalls or anywhere else. Uh, this is just something that is true to me. So before somebody says, where'd you get that from? Or, and if somehow somebody else has the same uh, definition that I'm about to share, then that's really cool. Please share that. Uh, let me know if I'm not the first to say this. But this is something I've been working on personally. And here we go. So courage, to me anyway, is the acceptance of responsibility, which has the potential for personal risk. The acceptance of responsibility, which has the potential for personal risk. So anybody that's joined the military or EMS or first responders, just the fact that you joined, courage. Doesn't matter, uh, land, air, or sea. Doesn't matter if you joined as a cop or EMS or fire. Doesn't matter. There was definitely personal risk when you signed the dotted line. When you decided, yep, this is my career. This is what I'm going to do. And that's risk. That, that's courage. Because you voluntarily accepted risk. Now, this is different. I don't know. This is a story I like to share. Once, when I was uh, in college, I had a summer job as park ranger <laughs> in Edson. It was a great job. Got to count the campers and the bears for, for the whole summer. It was wonderful. Um, in the shop... Uh, our, our home base, uh, we had a lot of mice. And I once uh, saw the, the house cat corner this mouse. And this mouse uh, running for its damn life until it was in the corner. It was the neatest thing to watch. And when it was in the corner and had absolutely nowhere to go, that mouse dug in its, little, its claws and fought this cat. And I watched it. So, some people might say, well, look at how courageous that mouse is. But that's not courage. That's just a that's just you have nothing left to to lose. Um that's that's not voluntary. You're you're stuck. You're literally backed into a corner. The only thing you have left is to fight. Um that's not courage. That's just survival instinct kicking in. So sometimes we're in that position and we either just roll over and die or we fight and that's it and is that courage not really because it's not voluntary 
because there are no other options. Now, if you see somebody else getting picked on by a bully, so we'll just kind of move away from the, the cat and the mouse uh, story that actually happened. I watched that. I watched that happen. Now, if you see a big bad bully picking on somebody small and meek, that person who is small and meek, who doesn't have the ability with their words or with their physicality to do anything about it, that person, if there's an exit door or they can call 911 or if they have some sort of option to to get out of there, that's, that's great. But if you're watching it and you're ignoring it and you don't like it and you're ignoring it, then you're a coward. So this brings me to a story of... This is a few years ago. It was really upsetting. This is a very upsetting story. Um, my kids were still quite little. Uh, we were up in Edmonton at the McDonald's restaurant in Capilano. <laughs> there was a lawsuit after this, but uh, I refused to sign a non-disclosure agreement, so I get to actually talk about this. Um, we're at the McDonald's, and being a former soldier, a guy with a, a tour, uh, I can size people up pretty quick. I can't help it. It's part of the hypervigilance. So I see danger, danger, Will Robinson. And there's two young men, about uh, 19 to 21 years old in there, in that range. And um, unfortunately, they were First Nations people, uh, which um, really broke my heart. You know, but um, two pe- these are two men who clearly had a story uh, of trauma in their background and they were acting out that story by ex- putting it on others and there was a young 15 year old girl behind the counter and they're like hey what time are you getting off work boy I, de- I bet you I could get a pack of cigarettes passing you around the remand center for those that don't know remand center is sort of an interim prison and they're, they're talking like this. And I could hear it. My wife could hear it. And she's like, oh, shit. I just looked at her and we'd already, she already knew the drill. She already knew what would happen in a situation like this that I would engage. And she knew that. But my two little kids were there. So um, we worked as a, as a fire team. My, kid went, um, my wife went to, to grab the two kids and uh, take control of them and shield their eyes from what was inevitable <laughs> to, to happen. Because I can't watch it. I can't. This girl was terrified. She was wide-eyed and just terrified. And there was a manager there, um, maybe maybe 20 years old, about five foot six. this guy, and he was terrified. Because, uh, you know, they, they all hear what I was hearing. And he was he was watching it literally with his mouth open and just in shock like he was in he was just frozen he didn't know what to do and i was like oh shit i guess it's me and i actually did take a look around to see if anybody else was going to do anything about it but they weren't so there's two of them one fella was uh about 62 thin but he was the aggressor the one talking to the other, and the other guy was a bit uh, smaller also thin uh, with a teardrop tattoo the whole nine yards and from their body language and everything else i knew that they were on something some sort of substance and just because of hypervigilance i was fully aware that when i go and intervene no matter how i do it uh, it was going to end up in a fist fight and i knew that um although i did make the decision be- 
before I went in that I wasn't going to hit these guys. I wasn't going to hurt them. I wasn't going to hurt them. I wasn't going to hit them because um, it has. To, <laughs> I don't want to be the one in court. I don't want to be the one facing criminal charges. But at the same time, I can't allow this girl to be absolutely terrified. I couldn't do it. So I went in with a big smile. I said, hey, guys, how are you? Look, I, I know you're just having fun, but uh, you, you might not be aware of it. You're actually scaring the hell out of the girl. And uh, I know that's not what you mean to do, but but that's what's happening. You're terrifying her. So let's let's just be nice to each other, okay? And the tall guy squared up to me, and his response to this, and I was nice. I was smiling. I was polite. I was respectful. And he said to me, I should fucking stab you, motherfucker. Uh-oh. Now, I wasn't surprised. I, I could tell from body language and reading the situation that uh, something like that would happen, just no matter how nice I was. And I did my very best to be a professional, to be kind, to be respectful to this young man, hoping that that would talk him down. And it didn't work. And eventually he went at me. He went at me. Um, I dismantled him. Uh, his friend was a little bit shocked at the sudden burst of violence and decided not to step into the fray. Um, as I dismantled this uh, young man and, and pushed him back, somebody else uh, stepped in and um, uh, was kind of holding him back from me. So I thought, okay, I guess this guy's got it. And then I was paying attention to the smaller of the two. And while I was paying attention to him saying, no, you and I don't have a problem, do we? And he said, no, no, we don't have a problem. Then I look up and bam, the big guy got past the guy that was holding him back and gave me a haymaker uh, that was pretty impressive. I didn't think he'd be able to hit that hard. And he hit me so hard that um, I had one hell of a shiner. It, uh, this tooth here, uh, for the audio listeners, my front tooth was um, a root canal tooth. So it cracked off, so I broke off my tooth and uh, split my lip, black eye, all with one punch. And his hand wasn't that big, so it was pretty impressive that he was able to do all that damage in one punch. And um, it uh, knocked me to the point where I was bent over. I just took a breath, stood up, and I looked at him. And something about it, about the calm in my eyes when I looked at him, scared the shit out of them, and they ran away. What he didn't know is that he had actually knocked me out. It was a TKO. It was a technical knockout. I was, I was out of commission. And the, the total cost to me was about $7,000 to have that tooth replaced with an implant. Apparently, I could have done it cheaper, I know, but that's what it cost. Uh, victim services paid me two grand. I asked McDonald's restaurants to pay me for, um, for the tooth, that's all. That's all I wanted. Hey, could you cover this tooth? I was protecting one of your employees. Could you maybe not be an asshole and, and help me out here? And they said, yeah, no, get fucked. <laughs> Take a hike. And McDonald's didn't help me out. So anyway, here I am all these years later, uh, tooth replaced. I'm good to go. And uh, I'm still a little extra cringy when I walk into a McDonald's. The point of this particular story was that it wasn't just me and my wife that heard what was going on. It wasn't just me and my wife that was aware that this girl's having the shit, this uh, scared right out of her. 
And of course, when the melee broke out and uh, I had to lay hands on this young man and give him a little bit of a tuning, everybody in the restaurant saw what was happening. And in that restaurant were numerous able-bodied men. It was a pretty full restaurant. Every single one of them turned their head away and pretended it wasn't happening. Every one of them. None of them came to my aid, except for the guy that didn't have a chance because I threw <laughs> the guy that I had hands on right right into him. <laughs> but um, nobody came to my aid. And because nobody came to my aid, that big haymaker punch landed on my face. I was alone. So that's the truth of society. We see this again and again and again. Um, not that long ago, there was a bunch of, there was a rape that happened on a subway. Forget where, probably New York. I'm not sure. Could have been Chicago. And instead of helping this girl get raped, people actually watched it. They watched it and recorded it on their phones. So they took the time to record it on their phones, but nobody stepped in, grabbed the man to pull him off this, this poor girl. They watched a rape and recorded it on their phone. And those types of crimes happen, unfortunately, they're not super rare. And that's cowardice. So, again, my definition of courage is the acceptance of responsibility which has the potential for personal risk the converse of that is cowardice which is the voluntary avoidance of responsibility because it has it might have the potential for risk that's cowardice that's courage that's my opinion and i certainly look forward to um, hearing your opinions on it Now, how this translates in a less dramatic way is when people use the phrase, oh, that's not right. Somebody should do something about that. Somebody should do something. Well, if those are the words that passed your lips, you're the somebody that should be doing something. Why? Because you saw the problem. You saw the problem And you're the somebody that should be doing something. If you're not the somebody that's doing something, you're the coward. Because you see a problem and you're not taking responsibility upon yourself to do something about it. Whether it be a $2 donation towards an organization that already exists that's dealing with it, sharing a Facebook post about the organization that's already doing something about it. Those are are not small things. Those are important things. But even that is something that people don't do because then they're taking responsibility. They're taking responsibility and at personal risk for themselves. Because what happens, uh, like recently, the this movie that just came out, The Sound of Freedom. On my show, I've covered child sex trafficking and human trafficking several times. I've had movie star Remy Adelecki, he's the star of um, uh, Transformers First Night. Um, I've had Craig... Salman Sawyer, a SEAL Team 6 guy who is the founder of Veterans for Child Rescue, all about rescuing kids from child predators. Rosie Cataldo, same, um, country music legend, 
Paul Brandt has been on the show in studio, who's awesome, super nice guy. And uh, the work that he's done towards uh, awareness of child sex trafficking. And recently, other big names like Sean Ryan, uh, another Navy SEAL guy who's like the number four show in all of podcasting on Spotify has been covering it with Jim Caviezel, the uh, Passion of the Christ actor, who's also an actor in The Sound of Freedom. Mel Gibson, Dana White, Dr. Jordan Peterson, all of them are now finally uh, um, pushing the movie The Sound of Freedom. But the thing is, uh, child sex trafficking is nothing new. The Perhaps the largest market for it is here in North America. And if you live in a sleepy town like uh, Sherwood Park or Okotoks or um, some sleepy little uh, white-collar suburb and you don't think it could be happening next door, you're wrong. It absolutely can be happening next door and very well might be happening across the street from you. But finally, um, people, it's getting big, big exposure through the sound of freedom. So when you see, and I've posted on uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and, and other places, uh, numerous posts about Veterans for Child Rescue uh, and recently the Sound of Freedom movie, share it. That little act of, uh, of sharing is an act of courage because the risk to you is social stigma. There's people who still think that uh, human trafficking is a conspiracy theory. Oh, that's QAnon stuff. Like, no, 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 it's not goofy QAnon stuff. It's real. Sex trafficking is real. Um, what's that drug that the uh, adrenochrome is real, which is really hard for me to believe too, but it's real. It's a damn shame. It's a sin. It's a tragedy. There's there's no amount of words that I can use. But there's a risk to you every time you share something from the sound of freedom because maybe somebody's going to think that you're a conspiracy nut or maybe um, maybe you just don't want to rock the boat, which is why you're not sharing it. Well, that's cowardice, and that's okay. The majority of the world is cowardly. That's just true. Um, I've, we, we've all seen it, whether or not you recognize it or not is another thing, but the majority of the world is cowardly. And that's just how it is, which is why so few people sign the dotted line to serve the military or uh, first responder or EMS or any other high-risk job. Working in the mines, um, being a, an equipment operator up at Fort Mac, this is all risky stuff. Bus drivers, taxi drivers, very risky jobs. Uh, the chance of an assault is, is quite high. Tow truck drivers, really risky job. Um, corrections officers, very risky job. And very few people are willing to do it. Most people are like, yeah, somebody should do something about that. That's a problem. Somebody should do something about that. Well, those that step up and say, well, I'm going to be that somebody, that's courage. That's courage. But anybody can be courageous. Just know that you're right or feel strongly, feel confident that the information that you're going to share is right and share it. There's a lot of people that refuse to, that want to uh, support me and my show, but there's a fear. There's a fear of, if I show, if I share an episode of Operation Tango Romeo, people are going to think I'm crazy or people are going to think that I have mental health issues or people are going to think I have PTSD and I don't want that stigma. Okay, that's, that's cowardice, and that's okay. It is. I'm not finger-wagging. I'm not. I'm not judging. 
I'm explaining the difference between the two. Now, if you're courageous enough to step up and share an episode of my show because you believe in the guest or you believe in the message, then that's wonderful. If you're, a, if you're willing to risk the possibility that somebody might think you have mental health issues or PTSD or whatever it is, if you're willing to risk that, you might be saving a life. And that's the upside. Every time you share an episode of Operation Tango Romeo, it does save lives. How do I know this? Because I get the comments. I get the private messages all the time. So for a lot of people, this is the only resource that they have. So there's a big upside to finding the courage to share an episode of this show. And this isn't about me. This isn't about my show. It's just about the idea of courage and cowardice. The other upside about finding courage within yourself is that the courage, the way I'm defining it, means the acceptance of responsibility with potential for risk for yourself. So I want to talk about what that risk could be. It could be money. So maybe it's going to cost me money because if I um, help out that homeless person, well, it's going to cost me five bucks to buy him a sandwich. Maybe it's my career. You know, maybe there's uh, uh, something that's being opposed upon me, and if I don't say yes, even though it's against my morals, even it's against my beliefs, if I say no to this thing that's being pushed on me, I could lose my job, my career. So that's a pretty damn big risk. Maybe it's just times like, oh, I do something about it, but I'm just so busy. And personal danger to yourself, well, that comes in varying degrees, many, many different degrees of danger. The higher the degree of danger, the greater amount of courage it takes to say, yes, I'm going to do something about it. And like I've already suggested, um, the risk to you could be social status or stigma. So back to the upside of courage. If you find within yourself the courage to do something about whatever it is that you feel strongly about, um, mental health advocacy, like what I do. Um, if you're not a fan of child sex, sex trafficking, which I'll be very plain about it. We're talking about adults that pay to rape children, including three-year-olds. Three-year-olds. Sounds impossible to believe. I know. I know. But it's happening. And it's happening right now all over the world. Not just in Thailand, but it's happening everywhere around the world. It's happening to the children of wealthy, wealthy and affluent people there who have nannies. And those nannies are trafficking those children while the parents are off and away on the road or at work. It's happening right now. So have a nanny cam for the love of God. Because there could be men coming and going from your house raping your children. Sounds too horrible to be true. Yeah, it is too horrible to be true. But it's true. So... Whatever your cause, if you take up that cause by a monthly donation of five bucks, you know, like uh, uh, these the Christian Children's Fund, stuff like that for, for char, um, starving children. I was doing that when I was 15 years old, for God's sakes. Everybody can find the 30, 25 or 30 or $40 a month to feed a starving child. Whatever it is for you, um, whether it's, clicking subscription for, for on Spotify for the show and donating five bucks a month, which is spectacular and awesome, or any other amount that you want. Um, 
whatever the cause is for you, homelessness is one of the big ones for me, whatever it is, if you decide to take the responsibility to do something, to not wait for somebody else to do something, but it's going to be you, that provides you with a sense of purpose. And I'm here to tell you, if you're suffering from depression, anxiety, other symptoms of PTSD, have that sense of purpose. Purpose means there's a little bit of risk to you, whether it be your time, social stigma, physical harm. But if you're willing to take up that mantle and do something, put in some volunteer time or donate 10 bucks a month or whatever it is, that provides you with purpose. And the greater the risk that you take on, because maybe instead of 10 bucks a month, it's a thousand bucks a month. I don't know. Instead of uh, volunteering 10 minutes a, uh, a month, it's uh, 10 hours a month. Whatever it is, the greater the input of that sacrifice, of that risk to yourself, the greater the sense of purpose. This is one of the problems with transition out of the military. Um, when you are part of the big green machine or blue or black, if you're uh, Air Force or Navy, but when you're part of that big military machine, you have this overwhelming sense of purpose because you're part of this huge, big team and it really feels like you're doing something and you're contributing. And when you take that away, it's a great big empty hole. People try to fill that hole in all kinds of different ways. Alcoholism tends to be one of the bigger ways that people try to fill that hole. What I would suggest is go volunteer somewhere. One day a month. One afternoon a month. Three or four hours a month. But every month. The Veterans Association in Calgary and Edmonton is a fantastic, fantastic example of a place to go volunteer. Um, you can work at the Veterans Association food bank, the thrift store, support services. I mean, there's there's a lot of different ways to contribute. Uh, do um, a fundraiser, a food drive. Hold a fundraising tournament of whatever your favorite sport is. A fun, fundraising softball tournament um, or just a fundraising softball game. What, whatever you want, but do something. And I tell you, um, what it will do for you because of the pride that you know you're doing something. Because you're not saying somebody should do something. You are that somebody. Do something good. An example, my friend Rob Lalonde, I served with him in, back in the 3rd Battalion. He's been doing um, these huge fundraisers. Uh, for service dogs, holy cow, somebody actually has life-changing, life life-lifting service dogs because of Rob Lalonde and all those that are on his team. Did Rob have any idea whatsoever how to do a fundraiser? Probably not, but he just did it. And if Rob could do it, you can do it. There are so many different ways to contribute. My particular talents are right here. I'm a content creator. That's that's where I'm comfortable. That's what I like to do. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm doing what I can do. I'm doing what makes sense to me and my life. It's no small thing. Uh, this is 303 episodes that uh, that I've been doing. 
And it's no small amount of time. It's no small expense between travel, this, that, and the other. But it's worth it because it gives me, it, I know that I'm helping at least one person. I'm helping me because <laughs> I'm, I'm walking the walk here. I'm doing something. It doesn't have to be big, but it's something. But you can do it too, whatever it is. Donate five bucks a month to the charity or cause of your choice, something that you believe in. Ten bucks a month, do a fundraiser. If you have zero dollars, zero dollars, hold a softball tournament or one or a fundraising softball game. Just do one or sell 50-50 tickets at a sporting event or the local grocery store. Something anything but do it do it at least once a month on a regular basis what that will do for you personally your self-esteem your confidence your sense of contribution in this world marvelous anyway folks uh, thank you so much for uh, the the comments thank you to simon mckinnis and gary mcmillan and and uh, teddy geds i'm so sorry if i'm uh, mispronouncing your name but thank you so much Thank you so much, everybody, for contributions and for all those that do share this show on a regular basis, or even if you've only ever done it once. Thank you. Thank you for comments. Uh, please like, comment, subscribe. Let me know what you think. And love you all. Thank you, all you beautiful souls, for joining me on the recovery road. Cheers. Hey everybody, it's Operation Tango Romeo, the place where healing happens. If you'd like to support this show, remember, like, comment, subscribe, and share, share like the sugar bear, because sharing is caring. <laughs>